With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Andy, we made it. The draft is over. It's officially rookie draft season. No, no longer mock season. No longer rookie mock. No longer NFL mock. No longer big board. No longer uh, he said, she said, maybe you'll get this landing spot. First round, third round, seventh round, undrafted. Who gives a shit? We're here post-draft for rookie draft season. How you doing, Andy? Led, led the show. Day one. NFL stream. Killed it. How are we doing? Good, good, man. I'm gonna miss the uh, random poppins by by Matt. And and so for the folks that were watching the first day, did Matt know the Cowboys fan sitting in the sports book? People people are wondering. Aaron Aaron wanted to know. I wanted to know. We have to know. What's the story behind that? Did he just randomly see a guy wearing a Cowboys jersey? Was it the Cowboys just picked? I'm gonna go over and ask that guy what he thinks. Let's just let's just preface this with. Uh... We were in Vegas. Okay, that's it. And uh, okay. <laughs> we weren't the most soberest gophers in the building. And, uh, no, we had no clue who the hell that guy was. Um, oh, okay. The, the thing was, <laughs> the funny thing is, like, uh, so he jumped on with you guys, like, 20 minutes before that or something. And I think it was during the Traylon Burks pick. And he said something along the lines of, like, Eagles or whatever, Eagles. And we had a Cowboy fan. We had a Giants fan. Yeah, we had two Cowboy fans and a Giants fan sitting literally four feet away. And then this one Cowboy fan uh, who ended up being on the film. And they were all like, boo, boo. And they were just getting pissed. And I was like, oh, shit. And I was like, I gotta, I'm gotta, i about to play bodyguard like, because he's just like yelling and we're in the casino, right? Uh, yeah, we had no idea who that guy was. And then I told him, I was like, hey, this guy's kind of. And so he just walked over there nonchalantly and was like, hey, what do you think about the Cowboys? And I was like. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome so yeah it was uh that was awesome hell of a week uh down there in vegas um the media accessibility was not quite what we thought it was going to be uh we did get the peak in the green room but not while the players were there they had a very uh locked on situation um as far as it goes like in the caesars forum was ridiculously packed uh everything was all nfl nfl and then we uh from where we filmed from was actually like at a bar next door Went to the Bellagio. We saw Rick Spielman, Lavar Arrington doing their doing their show live, and we just kind of hung out with the people, talked to the people. Uh, we met, uh, you know, Lawrence Jackson from NBC. We met a, met a bunch of people from the fantasy community, and just uh, you know, honestly, it was just so damn surreal to meet uh, Nate, Matt, Frank, on, and all these guys in the flesh after you know multiple years of what we're doing right now, physical face to face. And I know we've talked, we've talked about meeting up eventually as well, go golfing or getting some drinks or something. So at some point when I come through Illinois and it's just like, it's such a surreal thing that you don't even 
Like I was at the expo last year and that meeting so many people was nuts. And I can't even put into words. Like just when you talk to people, talk to people on the internet for years. And then all of a sudden it's like the story, the, 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 yeah. the behind the scenes stuff is, 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 is nuts. So, but anyway, yeah, it was fun. It sounds awesome, dude. It looked like a great time, honestly. And, uh, I think the other thing everyone was wondering too was, uh, is is Elijah Moore actually dead? Because I don't think Matt has ever commented on it since since that. Which again, Matt had a fucking all star weekend with the guy, the cow, the Cowboys fan in the middle of the sports book to to blank giving the deadpan stare at Alex when Alex was like, is Elijah Moore's dead? Just what an epic fucking all time weekend for for Matt to come out of swinging. Awesome. Awesome. And no, I I, I don't think Elijah Moore's dead. I think. Uh... To answer it in real terms, um, I, I do think, you know, we love Elijah Moore. We also love Garrett Wilson. We just really need Zach Wilson to come through. Uh, we need uh, Brees Hall to just be Brees Hall. This offense is so teed up, it's it's ridiculous. If, if Makai Becton can come back at, you know, sub 400 pounds and not 400 plus and, and do anything, I mean, I think this, this, offense, this offense completely hinges on the offensive line and Zach Wilson's connection, to be honest with you, because the talent around him is ridiculous and honestly crazy to see how far this Jets offense has come uh, full circle. So um, I think that does hurt Wilson and more in Dynasty, though, as well, because they're not on the Chase Higgins level um, as far as ability. And, you know, we, we got the archetype in Jamar Chase, so we got the, the big alpha body type uh, in a beta in T. Higgins. And, and honestly, Higgins and Moore and Wilson are – you know, sub 190 uh, athletes, sub 180, and they're just not built to, to do the things that Chase and Higgins are. So it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very fun. Um, but again, you know, I don't think Moore's dead by any means, but there's a player in college right now that just entered the transfer portal that has this close body type to what Elijah Moore is, right? And we think he is on that trajectory of being that talent um, in the 2023 class. But like he's got a few steps to go before he gets there. That's Jordan Addison from Pittsburgh or one time Pittsburgh. He's now in the transfer portal entered, I think officially yesterday. I've seen some Kentucky stuff. I saw Kentucky offered him about 800,000. I've seen USC offered him about 2 million in a house. Uh, what have, what have you heard <laughs> on, on Jordan Addison? Yeah, no, I've heard, I've seen rumors that he's in you know, USC, right? I saw the same NIL um, stuff being thrown around. I saw, Tennessee tossed out there. I saw uh, the latest story that came out today, I think, was that he was playing and practicing out there with Bryce Young. So there was maybe thoughts that he goes to Alabama now that um, Mechie and J-Mo are in the NFL now, um, which would be wild. That would be nuts, especially with with Hall leaving. What's your your money on in terms of where do you think he ends up? I mean, I think USC is pretty pretty clear cut. There, I mean, it's going to be hard to shut down two million in a house and to go play with USC and, and Lincoln and stuff. And the 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 Bryce Young connection thing does make me wonder. Uh, you know, maybe it's the maybe they they convince him. Hey, we saw what Devonta did, and, and how easy Jamison came in and replicated that almost. Hey, come on down. If Bryce convinces him, like. We already are pretty much in lock that Alabama's like, you know, if you had to put a real number on it, like 
realistically two games better than everybody else in college football. Like as far as like if you were to extrapolate like an NFL terms, like they're they're that much better I think than everybody else. You know, if everyone was on a level playing field, um, but you had Jordan Addison, man, this would be this would be an all time roster heading into the season. Like we're talking like. Like the LSU of nineteen, the Miami of 01, the 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 USC of 05, like that type of deal. Uh, so, big time, big time, Jordan. What, what are your thoughts? I've seen, I've seen, I've yeah. also seen things about Jordan Addison being the reason that Kenny Pickett's in the NFL right now. Yeah, I mean, you. If that's true. If Jordan Addison is the reason why he's in the NFL, then there's nothing – you don't have to be concerned about Kenny Pickett in the NFL then, right? Because he's going to be surrounded by even – same talent as Jordan Addison, right, at a minimum, minimum, and at a max, way better than Jordan Addison. So I'm not, I wouldn't be too concerned there. The more concern you have is if it's the offense that was centered around him. Um that's kind of the again the argument I've made before time and time again is just that I, th- I was thinking it was more probably the OC than I think it was the people around him. What other transfers are you seeing right now, Cody, over the last few days other than Jordan Addison? So talking about USC, I saw Brew McCoy uh, went from USC to Tennessee. Um, obviously, he's been in the USC program for for a few years now, playing with Pittman and St. Brown and London and Vaughn and all these guys. Uh, but these Texas receivers that you that you had mentioned, we talked about earlier, uh, Kelvante uh, Dixon, uh, Dejon Harris, and uh, Marcus Washington, uh, or, or Kelvante Ingram, sorry, uh, that's Keontae Ingram's brother. Uh, he was running second team all through spring uh, behind Xavier Worthy. Marcus Washington is a is, is, this is this is some notes I got from Alex Dunlap from Roster Watch. He works for uh, Orange Bloods as well down in Texas. He said Marcus uh, Washington, he's a good all-around player and he's the best blocker on Texas. Uh, Dejon Harrison is probably he's too small to really be anything of, of consequence in fantasy in the future or anything like that. But uh, they're losing some guys. But as well, when you talk about that, uh, Jalen. Uh, Nair, they brought Nair in from Wyoming. They brought a Jai Hall in from te- uh, from Alabama, and they already got Xavier Worthy. They got Billingsley. They got uh, Jatavian. Like, there's so much talent in Texas. I mean, what do you expect, right? And that's kind of the the art of the transfer portal in this day and age. And and I, I talked to Jermaine Johnson down at the at the NFL draft, and I basically said, you know, what are your thoughts on this whole transfer portal thing going through the process X, Y, and Z? And he's like, I don't think it's going to be as big of a question over the next three, four, five years, like him and Jamison kind of were like, well, these guys transferred. And it's like, yeah, but if you understand your positional value and what you have, and if, you know, a lot of people point to the transfer portal, and I'm not a huge fan of of it being as open as it is because we see thousands of people entering it and stuff. But if you're as mentally strong as a Jamison or a Jermaine Johnson are to enter the transfer portal because you know, hey, I'm not getting the requisite opportunities. I got a dickhead coach, and I need to go to this school because I know I can win, and I know it's a fair shake, a new fair opportunity. He basically worded it like this ain't even going to be a question in a couple of years because the amount of talent you're going to see transfer and just continue to ball out. Uh, so it's it's a very interesting thing that I think we're just transitioning through, seeing the negatives and the positives. But, I mean, just talking to a guy like Jermaine and, and Jameson, especially, they're both – winners in this transfer portal thing and i think you know jordan addison uh, um i think potentially Calvante ingram are winners through this process or um you know 
I don't know. It's it's a it's a it's a difficult dif- difficult situation, especially Brew McCoy who who didn't dominate at USC. Now he's going to Tennessee. Obviously Tennessee's getting adding a couple of people, but um, I see a guy here, Jacoby Covington, a four star corner. What, what what do you got on him? I haven't seen anything on him. Yeah, no. So he's another recent add uh, to the transfer portal, and it's interesting because he's not the he's not the last guy to come out of Washington. Washington's lost a couple of. Key players. I think he was projected to be like a backup quarterback there, but the only reason why I added him to the sheet here to talk about him is that him going to USC is a possibility um, and is the leading possibility right now. So you're starting to see this this transfer portal thing play out now, where USC is starting to become a big powerhouse or starting to look like a big powerhouse, gathering all this talent, right? And I think that's fantastic for college football because for for the better part of me watching college football and remembering a lot of it, right? I'd say probably like 2008 to you know now, it's been largely largely based out of the Southeastern Conference, right? Mm-hmm. The Southeast. It's all been Alabama, Georgia, Florida. You know. It's all been in that one conference, and when you have more parity and it's spread out, I think more competition. You're gonna get more interesting uh, scenarios, more interesting playoff scenarios, right? Where let's say USC does make some noise this year, could you have a championship game where it's USC versus Georgia, and now you got people going to to more than just Alabama and more than just Clemson and more than just Georgia? You you make me think here now. Transfer portal, what has happened? Big name schools, you're talking about Bama, USC, Texas, Ohio State. Look at these rosters here and tell me how fun of a Final Four this would be if this happens. The odds has happened, I don't know, 30% chance because these are all very good teams, but Bama's going to be rolling out Bryce Young, Jameer Gibbs, transfer, Jermaine Burton, transfer, USC's going to be rolling out Caleb Williams, Travis Dye, Jordan Addison, potentially, three transfers, Texas, Quinn Ewers, transfer, uh, Ohio State, Jackson, uh, C.J. Strode, Trayvon, Travion Henderson, they're all three been there, but that's we're talking Big 12, we're talking Pac-12, we're talking SEC and Big 10, all four conferences with a bona fide, you know, championship-esque team. So it's it's evening. I guess you could say it's partly evening the even the play. I feel a little bit, I guess. But again, Bama yeah. still Gibbs and Gibbs and Burton's pretty. And if they got added, it's tough. Fuck, but I think yeah. It, I think the stock, the overall stock of college football is, is rising again. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Yeah, I tend to agree. Yeah, as long as you can – the shitty part is the NCAA, who's always been pretty inept, just didn't plan this whole thing out before they let everyone run wild with it. So, yeah. like, you're going to have this shit kind of muddled around where it's going to be people who are leaving here and there and – getting paid and I'm all for people getting paid from you know however much people want to pay them but like you got to have some sort of rules or system or rigor around it to try and make it make sense right um and if you're doing it for the players it's got to apply to the coaches too because it's about time the coaches have extra rigor around their stuff which yeah I don't know we'll see but yeah I agree let's move into the NFL draft uh, I think we had a good little section there on the transfer portal. This is like a v- very interesting thing that we like to hit on, and I've heard from the from the fans uh, that they enjoy our transfer portal talk. So if you are listening out there or watching, if you're watching on YouTube, click that like button, click that subscribe button, join the Underworld Army, do all those fun things. We appreciate you. Uh, help us help you help the algorithm. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, be sure to go in there, 
Uh, click subscribe, click unsubscribe, click subscribe again. Uh, leave us a review, do all those dang things. Appreciate you guys all listening along. But let's jump into the meat of the show, the nitty gritty. Let, let's break down some of these draft picks here. I, I got it broken down in our show sheet by position. And let's just conversate for about 10 minutes on some landing spots that we like and don't like. Uh, you know, starting with quarterback, we'll go to running back, etc. We had a lot of conversation about these quarterbacks entering in. And we ended up with one quarterback in round one, three in round three, one in round four, and one in round five. And the guy that went in round four, we didn't expect to go ahead of the guy in round five without saying names. Bailey Zappi goes round four to New England. Sam Howell goes round mm-hmm. five to Washington. Two guys that we've talked about a lot on this show. Two guys that you like very much so. And then the first guy at the board ends up being Kenny Pickett, who stays in Pittsburgh, who if you rewind four months, that was what we said was a lock. And then we talk ourselves into Malik Willis being, you know, that guy and ended up being the process ended up being right. But what do you think about Ritter, Willis, and Corral all falling to round three and going within 20 picks of each other? I think this is the great – I think this is the step. I've been trying to think of a way to word this, but I think this is the first step in flushing out all of the the garbage that's been in the NFL for years now, right? All these dudes that have been hanging around to roster clingers, they've been dudes that have been just fucking around from team to team, right? You're, you're uh, like Marcus Mariota getting that deal just seems crazy to me now because in two years we're probably not going to see him anymore. Like, it's just all these dudes that are very mediocre, subpar talent. They're going to be here for the next two years, and they're going to be out now, right? You're not going to see – like, I wouldn't be surprised if Washington, right, drafts running back next year and J.D. McKissick is gone. Like, you never see or hear from him ever again. Um, You know what I mean? Like, I I just get that feeling that this is, like, the first step in, like, replacing a lot of those backups. Now, there are people that I think we're not going to see that are going to come out of this that are going to be really, really good and take a lot of advantage of it. Like, Bailey's up in New England kind of gives you Tom Brady vibes. You know, smart between the years, kid, good at two programs. That's what I said before, Zappy Truthers Unite here. I just, if you're not convinced that Mac is the guy, he could give Mac run for his money if, if he's able to not be as frumpy as he was before. I wasn't going to say run for his money, but, I, I, you know, you said Tom Brady. I think more towards literally uh, a cheaper Mac Jones, right? Like, I know yeah. he, all the yardage he had, but you got to also think this guy's a year and a half removed from Houston Baptist. He goes to Western Kentucky. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're on the same page. He's not going to, you know, make that same exact jump to the NFL. But if you get him in here, learn from, you know, the best in that craft right now, who is Mac Jones, who came in here and took the league by storm, came from Bama. I think he's going to sit behind Mac for, you know, a year and a half, two years and and be that dude. And I think exactly what they're doing is exactly what they did with Jimmy behind Tom, and that was just bring him along, learn in the system, and uh, you know, this is going to be a chess piece. This is something that we talked about at, down in Vegas when this happened. It was, what the hell are they doing? And then it was, okay. They tried to do this with Stidham. They traded Brissett. Mm-hmm. They traded Jimmy. This is what they're going to do. They're going to bring him in. They're going to learn him for a year and a half, two years, and hope to flip him for a second or a first to some team that needs a quarterback. And I think that's a good process. Uh, but at the same time, Sam Howell in the fifth round really did shock me. But honest to God, outside of Corral, who I think has the, you know, we talk about Pittsburgh being Kenny Pickett. All right, his first round capital. He's probably going to be the starter by week one. Outside of him, 
the most confidence I have in seeing somebody play in 2022 is Matt Corral in Carolina, just knowing that eventually Sam Drone's going to make a mistake, and we think Sam or we think Matt Corral can take advantage of the weapons he has around him. And round three, yeah. Who like? How do you feel about Sam Howell though in round five? Like, there's Wentz there. Like, do are you as confident? I'm pretty confident. I'm pretty confident that if Wentz goes down, say week three, Howell's going to be able to come in and you know, tr- you know, turn that thing, Just, in, turn it, turn it in from like a Prius to like a you know a Tesla type of situation. Yeah. I mean, I mean, does does Wentz go down, or does the crowd does the, do the fans just turn on him because he doesn't end up being very good? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like at least with Taylor Heineke, you had the electric playoff game that's carried him, basically got him another contract, right? Got him paid again, and I think he's he's still there, right? Yeah. Is he still on the Washington Commanders? Yeah. yeah. So Sam Howell, in my opinion, has got to beat out. So Carson Wentz, I don't think is your long term option there. He's probably going to be gone. Then you have insurance Taylor Heineke, who can't really throw the ball very well. I mean, if Sam Howell can beat out Taylor Heineke, which from let's, an athletic standpoint, he, probably he should beat he should beat him out in camp. Yeah, from an arm talent standpoint, he should beat him out in camp. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not too concerned. I mean, long term wise, I have no problem with him being there, especially when they retooled the options around them. Right, you you got extra running back help in case Antonio Gibson goes down again. You have extra wide receiver help, which did you like the landing spots from the wide receiver? Let's transition to wide receiver here for a second. Did you like the transition, uh, the the pickup at wide receiver that they had? No, obviously not. I, I talked about this before the draft, and everyone's like, you know, Olave going to Washington. And I was like, no, who was I writing in all my mocks? I was writing Drake London in because they need that big alpha body type, even though I, I talk about Drake London being that T. Higgins type that – that uh, beta alpha, where he's in an alpha body type, but he's a beta. And you look at the the depth in Washington, the big problem is who, the, who's the big body? Who's the big body? Logan Thomas? You can try to sell me on Logan Thomas. Are they going to put Cole Turner at X? No. You got McLaurin, <laughs> who's sub six foot, runs a 4-3. You got Curtis Samuel, sub six foot, runs a 4-3. And you got Jahan Dotson, who... who could probably run a four three and he's sub six foot as well. And you got Deami Brown, a four three guy. You got you're gonna literally be rolling out Cam Sims. We're talking about the ghost of Kelvin Harmon. We're talking about Antoine Ganny Golden at X. Like those are all betas uh from from you know is Cam Sims really gonna be that guy? Like who's gonna be your dude? It's it's a bunch of speed burners run across the middle of the field, great route runners, but there's no, they don't have a clasher up here, and that's what literally no bullshit. And it sounds cliche, but that's Wentz's number one targets at all of his stops when he's been successful have been Elshon Jeffrey, Jordan Matthews, Michael Pittman, these big clashing receivers. Yo, Deshaun Jackson, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, Deshaun Jackson. None of these guys are Deshaun Jackson, these guys are better route runners, these guys are better over football players. We don't know if Wentz can win with these guys. That's just being dead honest. And yeah. From a receiving standpoint, I hate the Jahan Dotson landing spot. I would have much rather seen, you know, even Burks who went two two picks later. Or why not wait and take Christian Watson? Something like give give me something to look for, uh, to 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 use different levels of the field. Use different levels we'll of the see, field. It's the same thing for me and Obviously, Atlanta wouldn't take. And sorry to cut you off. Atlanta wouldn't take Jahan Dotson at eight, obviously, right? But a way to mm-hmm. think about this is if you look at Atlanta, they did the same thing but opposite. They got Auden Tate. 
They got Kyle Pitts, and now they got Drake London. They got three dudes that are 6'4", 6'5". They got no real burner underneath. And now the opposite is Washington. Burner, burner, burner. And they got nobody big over the top or that can, you know, they can say, all right, I need I need 11 yards right now, and I'm just going to throw this guy, I'm going to throw this ball at seven foot two, and I'm going to expect my receiver just to be the only guy there that's going to catch it. There's nobody in that offense to do that. Same in Atlanta. There's nobody that can be that gadget, you know, inside, outside, make a guy, you know, you think the easy thing to think about is like a like a Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill can make a guy miss in a phone booth and he can be open. He can he can hit that four yard in out and he can be there every single time. None of these big receivers can do that. That's what pisses me off is that Atlanta's Atlanta and Washington's lack of ability to understand how to build a, a wide receiver core is what pissed me off the most about this entire receiving core draft. Yeah, you, you bring up a good point there, but I think you're you're frustration about them not taking a clasher in Washington could be a roundabout argument into you could back yourself into a take where you like Sam Howell even more now because Carson Wentz tries to throw to him doesn't anybody throw to that he typically throws to he fails Taylor Heineke whatever yeah Sam Howell comes in Sam Howell could come in and actually command that backfield then as the starter right yep and then I think in in, uh, in Atlanta, the tougher part there, right, is like, do you believe in Desmond Ritter, the thrower? And that's tougher. That's a tougher sell to me because I, I don't think Mariota is very good. I don't, I don't think everyone believes Mariota is the best thrower in the world. But I don't know. It, he could be better than Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter could be worse. I mean, like, we don't know. I think the long-term play definitely is Sam Howell, isn't it? Like, you know yeah. what I just realized right now, and I know a lot of people have probably thought about this before, but I forgot that Deami Brown was on this roster. And obviously they played together at Carolina, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And now you have a Jahan Dotson, and, and Daz Newsom wasn't that fast. And, and Deami ran a four four five. This is untapped speed that Sam Howell is now going to be playing with maybe in 2023. I'm excited for that. Um, and I think exactly what you just said. You know, I'm worried about them having a clash here, but at the same time, Maybe what their big thing was was just they need like a bridge. They need to find their next guy, and maybe they know Carson Wentz isn't their next guy, but they're like, hey, maybe Sam is. Taylor's here. If Carson really sucks and we bench him week four, we split, bring Sam in and throw him to the Wolves, and if he's a guy, he's going to take advantage of that. But if he's not, he's going to lose the rest of the season, and we're going to go you know, 3-13, and 13, and we're going to be in the running for the top guy next year. There's a lot of ways you can twist it, right? Uh, he's, yeah. Carson Wentz has zero dead cap, zero dollars due in dead cap after 2022. So there's like a, I would put it at like a 75% chance he's not on the roster, maybe 80% chance he's not on the roster next year, given unless he takes this team to like, what, the second round of the playoffs? They got to make at least a divisional round of the playoffs for him to stay on the roster next year with $26.1 million cap hit no dead cap. Like he's got to do some crazy shit to stay on this roster. Right. So speaking of that, give me, give me two, let's transition to running back here for a second. Give me two good running back landing spots that you liked. There's not a lot, right? Oh, really? I, I see, I see a couple. I see a few. Actually. You see a few. I see a, I see a bunch. I see, of, I see a bunch. I hate, I hate Brees Hall oh, no. playing with Michael Love. Carter. I hate Brees Hall playing with Michael Carter, not because of Michael Carter, because the theory, and I've talked about this on the live stream, was uh, with Michael Carter was always one year because we knew this was an opportunity. 
Seattle with Kenneth Walker, just the team isn't great in general. Uh, even if they do depend on Kenneth Walker, they're not going to give him the full workload, right? Best case scenario, it's Nick Chubb because he's always going to have somebody next to him or behind him. James Cook, we like, but he's under 200 pounds. He's going to Buffalo. Zach Moss is there. Singletary's there. Duke Johnson's there. It's a pass-happy offense. The ideal thing would be to him to catch a bunch of passes, but he's got Josh Allen there. We know he's going to have six, eight, ten touchdowns rushing. Rashad White, obviously, almost 24 years old. Leonard Fournette's going to be there for another year plus. Uh, by the time he's starting, is Tom Brady still the quarterback? Tyrion Davis-Price, obviously we know Elijah Mitchell's there. Trey Sermon's there. Trey Sermon sucks, but still Elijah Mitchell, uh, who's a dog. Obviously was in last year's draft class. The biggest thing with, with Tyrion is opportunity always comes for these San Francisco guys. But I don't love the landing spots. It's, there's two ways to argue it. One, obviously he's going to get the opportunity because it always happens in San Fran. Two, it's third-round draft capital, so he's going to get overdrafted in rookie drafts. And three, there's just still a bunch of guys there like Jermichael Hasty, Jeff Wilson, guys that are just going to continue to come up and get opportunities. Plus, you got Trey Lance who's still in there. Brian Robinson, Washington. If you're going to have a running back go to Washington, you would probably much rather have it be a James Cook so you could kick out McKissick, and then it's just these two guys uh, and kind of focus on that. Damian Pierce, I like. Uh, we liked him before coming in from the Senior Bowl, obviously, but million guys in Houston. Houston's not that great. Zamir White. This one you could paint a better picture for. Josh That's Jacobs. One J- okay, so I'll let you go on this in a second, but Josh Jacobs, his fifth year over the weekend, gets declined. Zamir White, obviously, if he's healthy, this might be the diamond in the rough. Fourth round, it's not really a diamond either because he's a four or five-star prospect. Two fresh knees, if they're healthy, runs a four four forty yard dash. He comes in, he takes that carry. Like He should beat out Kenyon. He should healthily beat out Kenyon. Carry on. Damn, I can't talk today. Kenyon Drake, and then he gets Josh Jacobs, and you know, 2022 is going to be tough, but it could be wheels up in 23 for Zamir White. I'll finish through the four, fourth round, then I'll let you go back to Zamir. Isaiah Spiller, like this one a lot more than I thought I would. Obviously, Eckler's got uh, you know Eckler problems, his his height, weight, size. Uh, we we like Eckler, but as far as being an overall uh, three down workhorse, he's not there. I think Spiller's much better than Josh Kelly, much better than Larry Roundtree okay, Pierre Strong, Kevin Falk of 2022, still an opportunity for him never to touch the field in 2022 just because of the amount of guys in uh, New England, especially given how long it took Stevenson to see the field, how long it took Damian Harris to see the field. And then the last fourth-round guy, Hassan Haskins, might honestly be my favorite one. I finally found a running back that I like. That's after 12 dudes, late fourth round, Hassan Haskins, I think, comes in day one, is the number two running back behind Derrick Henry. Well, what the hell? What yeah. do you got for me? No, that's a good – no, no, no. And I was going to say, like, looking at a couple of the other running backs right on that list, you mentioned – so, like, when I said there are some guys, some landing spots that I like, Zamir White was one of the ones that I that I thought of too immediately. And I think this is, like – this is the perfect year for retooling, even if you don't think you need the retooling, right? Because I don't think a lot of these guys start this year, but I think next year is the year when all of them are going to start playing, right? This, this isn't like day one starter season. This is, you get them on, they're going to scrape the garbage out and then scrape the dog water out. And then next year is when they're hitting the ground running. You know, second year in the league, they're all going to be a bunch of starters that are going to be on fire, right? Like, like you mentioned before, right? Like, like Auden Tate, right? Like how long is Auden Tate going to hang around the Falcons and take targets away from fucking Drake London after he's in the league for a year? Um, 
another guy that I really like here on this list, right? So, uh, Tristan Ebner um, was the receiving back out of Baylor. So, he's on the Bears now. Um, if that offense takes the next step forward and is a little bit more, more, more modern, and they throw to their running backs a little bit more, he's, he's a quick, shifty guy that I think catch the ball pretty well. Um, you know my, you know my, my and, one problem with him? I want to know your thoughts on this. Is I think he's a clone of of Khalil Herbert, just a little bit faster. Yeah, they were yeah, taking, no, se- they were taking seven picks a, a part of each other. Yeah, yeah, I would say he's he's probably a, a faster version of Khalil Herbert, but I don't think. And correct me if I'm wrong here. I don't know if Khalil Herbert played on special teams though in college. I think he I think what? he was a little bit of kick returner. But not much. He was not, okay. not much. Because I, I know, I know Abner. I know Abner did did field kicks and punts for a while. Um, the the crazy thing is, but before you jump off of this, is is that Herbert played like five or six years in college. I'm trying to bring it up here, I think Abner played five or six years in college. They're both similar height, weight, size. They're both like they have like almost identical college college resumes. From a kick return standpoint, he returned only at Virginia Tech as a kick returner. That's what I thought. And Ebner, obviously, I mean, obviously, uh, he played with Blackshear his last year. Ebner played with Abram Smith. Just a very, very interesting archetype or, or like a, a type that uh, Chicago's kind of aiming at here late, especially coming from two different, two different uh, regimes. So last year's regime took Khalil Herbert. This year's regime took Ebner. Same round, seven picks different, and both guys are, I mean. To me, they're they're very very similar. Right. No, I and mean, I agree with you there. Yeah. And again, like I said, this isn't a. I don't think they're that they're all dead in the water, but I think like there are a couple guys here that are, you know, interesting enough to take a look at. And the other crazy part too is I want everyone to listening right now to remember this. We are post draft right now. We still have rookie mini camps. We still have OTAs. We still have training camps. Like this shit is gonna work itself out. So before everyone's losing their mind over landing spots for everybody, like oh, it's the end of the world for this guy. I mean, this is the same shit we go through every single year, where it's we get excited about a guy, we get excited about a guy, then he doesn't go to where we want to, then he looks really good in OTAs, but then he's you know back down the depth chart before training camp. Then someone gets hurt. And then he gets on the field and he's trash. Like, it's just, it's up and down the entire year, right? It, like, just take it easy. There's some guys out there that are good. Looking long-term view for a lot of these guys. I think you'll be fine. Can I say that I think there's more, there's better landing landing spots in round five through seven than I think there is in round two through four? I'm a bigger fan of a lot of these round five through seven guys than I am two through four as far as landing spot goes. Like, I just went through that entire list and ate it alive from round two through four. But when you look at round five through seven, you just mentioned Ebner. He could have the opportunity to be the number two in that team behind ahead of a Herbert. Keontae Ingram should easily beat out Eno Benjamin. I'm sorry, Eno Benjamin Shooters, I'm one of you. Tyler Batty, right. think he can easily become the number two in that offense. Kevin Harris... If he's healthy, can become that guy, you know, in a year's time, especially uh, to the point where Damian Harris doesn't get it. Damian Harris isn't on the roster next year. Ty Chandler, very close body type to Kenny and Wangu. 
potentially he beats out him. He's the number three. We've seen Delvin have his hiccups over the year. Like you can draw a story there. Kyron Williams, Sony Michelle's gone. Uh, does does Kyron come in and be that Sony Michelle type uh, next to a Daryl and an Acres who have become injury prone? Jerome Ford, does he kick Kareem Hunt out? I mean, we like him. Snoop Connor's terrible one, whatever. Tyler Algier could literally become the starter at any given time. Like, there's a yeah. lot of actually nice, interesting spots for some of these guys in round five through six. Five and six mainly, not really seven. Pacheco's okay, but five and six mainly versus two, three, four. Thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think it is. It's the big guys landed in shit situations, which sucks because the tough part, so at least from my, my point of view, like tough part about taking one of those guys that's one of the top prospects landing in a spot, a contested backfield, a contested wide receiver room, is that you're taking such a large risk with such a large amount of draft capital where you can just pepper the last couple, the last two rounds of your rookie you know drafts with these random dudes, a Tristan Ebner, a Zamir White, right? Like those guys fall now to that 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 section of the draft, and it's okay because you're not spending a second or a third, uh, a second or a first on these guys. You're spending a third or a fourth now, um, so it becomes a little more you know tolerable, a little more manageable, I think. Okay, so let me read a couple ADPs off for you in rounds three and four. Uh, these are these are over from Sleeper. Uh, I did do a mock on Sleeper this morning with uh, Big Dogs, Nick Ercolano, the whole Big Dog team, Ray G, Josh were in there. Uh, Brett Coleman, um, Scott Connor, all these guys. I'll pop that up on the screen here in a second. But some of the ADPs from Sleeper through the past couple days. Um, shout out to Sleeper. 301, Tyler Algier. You like that? Just do, Let's just do rapid yeah. fire. Do you like it? Do you hate it? Yeah. You like it? Yeah, I Ty- like it. I like it. Tyrion Davis Price, 304. Uh, like it. I meh, like it. Meh, Ky- meh. Kyron Williams, 305. Hate it. Haskins, 306. Like it. Tyler Batty, 310. Love it. Zamir White, 311. Love it. Pierre Strong, 401. Hate it. I don't understand what the point of that is. Ty Chandler, 402. Uh, Meh. Jerome Ford, 403. No. Keontae Ingram, 404. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Last one, Kevin Harris, 409. Again, what, what are you doing? These The, the couple of these should be fifth-round picks. If, if you're listening along and you're saying, why is he saying eh, why is he saying no? Because those are fifth-round darts to be throwing. A uh, bunch of other ones in here. Tyquan Thornton, Valus Jones, Romeo Dubs. Fifth-round picks. Don't take those guys in the fourth. All right, let's pop up this board. I want to get your thoughts here. Let me share my screen quick. All right, so I did this draft. I was picking from the eight hole. Uh, this was Superflex rookie. Uh, this is a quick draft, fast draft. One hundred one, Brees Hall. Obviously, we've seen that through the whole process. Two and three has become consensus, either London or Burks. Uh, pick four, Ray G goes Kenneth Walker. Those four picks uh, seem pretty chalky right now, and then we see the quarterback come up the board at one hundred five. This is going to be where the discussion starts: is when do these quarterbacks start going off the board? Uh, the thought right now is that Pickett being the only first-round guy should be probably the only first-round guy in Superflex. We do have Willis in contention in uh, the late end of round one. Sky Moore, 106. Josh takes him as a wide receiver three. I think that's a little bit hot. 
Stop me when you want to say hot or cold. Garrett Wilson, 7. Wave, 8. Watson, 9. Thoughts on the first nine picks? Watson. Watson. Watson is going way. That. I would have taken Jamison over Christian Watson. Yeah. Um, Probably would have taken even James Cook over Christian Watson. Because the tough part about Christian Watson is like. We know the narrative around Aaron Rodgers at this point, right? Like, he needs time to build rapport with guys before he can trust throwing them the ball. You're talking about a rookie coming in. They're not going to have a lot of time to get to know one another. They're not going to have a lot of time to play together. I don't understand how you're going to be able to, to, to say, yes, I take him over Jameson Williams. I don't buy into all the hype there, but I, I yeah, I, I don't know why. I wouldn't take him at the 1-9. One, one so do you think uh, – I also think Sky Moore. You think Sky Moore is a good – you would take him over Wilson and Olave? I think I would still take Olave and Wilson right now. I think I would take Olave. I, Wilson, I yeah, think Olave. Wilson, I think Wilson and Moore is more of a conversation than people want to have. Right. Yep. To be honest, I think, yeah. that's, I think that's more of a conversation than anybody's willing to have right now um, because of how high Wilson was on a lot of boards going into the draft. And people don't want to say – you know, the landing spot is not as good as it looks like. I think the Olave landing spot is low-key better than the than, oh. than the Wilson. Like and, and like you said, no, like maybe it's not as low-key because Winston doesn't get the conver- the conversation that he needs. Kamara's there and Michael Thomas is there, but you're forgetting that Olave can play the Ted Ginn role. Olave can play the Michael Thomas role. Olave can do everything. And whatever they want him to do, he's going to be able to come in and do I would take him over Wilson. I would take him over Moore. I think Moore and Wilson's a good conversation. I think you're right on uh, Watson. I think Williams probably in that conversation as well. I think the worry is about him not playing much in year one. You said you would take James Cook over a couple of these guys. How high are you willing to take James Cook? I So let's see here. So the conversation for me starts with James Cook or well, I'm looking at the board here. Oh, man. Okay. Probably take James Cook. I probably would have taken James Cook maybe a spot later. I mean, I, I like where he's at here. That's why I'm not really too concerned about it. I just think he's got to go before Christian Watson. I think James Williams should go before Christian so, Watson. So you think, basically you would just swap Jameson and Watson probably? Uh no, I would actually put Watson. I would actually swap Watson with maybe like even George Pickens or Jahan Dotson. Yeah, because I think I think he's got to go in the first part of the second round. Because think about it, right? Like Jahan Dotson is either gonna have Carson Wentz throwing him the ball or Sam Howell, right? Probably like both those two guys more than than I trust Christian Watson being able to elevate his talent level from the FCS to the NFL. Um, George Pickens is a dog, right? I'm not really too concerned about his his aptitude for playing the wide receiver position in Pittsburgh. And if everyone's saying that he's the next Deontay Johnson, like, or next Chase Claypool, like, okay, then he should have no problem adjusting to either Mitch Trubisky or if, Malik, or if uh, Kenny Pickett is that guy and starts off day one, then he has no problem adjusting to Kenny Pickett's game either. So I like both of those guys more as well. Um I mean, Damian Pierce, whatever. If you like, I think you need a running a, back. He's just yeah, got to be going in that range just because of the opportunity given. Exactly. Arguably one of the best spots. Yeah, right, right. So I think, like, you probably put Jameson up there. Christian Watson's probably fall to the 201, 202. That, that'd probably be where I would take him. 
Yeah, and that's that's about the area we have him in too. Uh, the other one on this board that really jumps out at me is in comparison to our rankings is Spiller. Um, at the 204, Ray G takes him, no surprise. Uh, Ray G cleaned house. Kenneth Walker, Spiller, Zamir White, and Kyron at the 1424344. So uh, four very conversated and and uh, highly talked about prospects through this whole process. Walker, Spiller, White, and Kyron Williams. I think Spiller, I was thinking about, you know, when I'm breaking down these tiers, like 205 is where I would feel, okay, I'll take I'll take Spiller here. That was where I was like, okay, I'll take him. So at 204, I don't hate that. You talked about David Bell. I, I like David Bell, honestly, more than I think I, I, I thought I was going to. At the 205, uh, Larky goes Davis Price. 206, I'm probably not going to have a lot of shares of, of Tyrion at that price. Um, remember last year, uh, Sermon, I think walked himself into, I think like the, he got up to like the 110 maybe. So we see Tyrion started at the 206. Imagine the day that Trey Sermon gets cut between now and, and training camp. You see how high Tyrion jumps. That could be the same situation over again. I think Tyrion's a much better prospect than Sermon, but the value, I don't love it. Keontae Ingram, 2-7. Again, we're talking about a late round draft pick that going at 2-7 is still very high in rookie drafts. The quarterbacks here. So we saw Pickett go 105. What do you think about the 208, 209, 210 with Willis Corral and Ritter? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, so Ritter, yeah, yeah, I guess good value. Yeah. I mean, it's super flex. You have to take them this, this early on, right? I mean, you have to take your chance when you have it. You're betting on the talent, Malik Willis. Corral probably out of those three, Corral probably has the easiest way to a starting spot the fastest um you know Desmond Ritter could probably beat out Marcus Mariota but again you talk about I, I hate going back because we're talking about like non-power five to NFL is different from SEC to NFL or even Liberty you know, um to be completely honest but Malik's competition is, is not as good as as Desmond Ritter's is or Corral's is but Corral I think he's probably the safer pick I would say out of the three of them it's funny that they went back to back to back here because we have Willis at 10, we have Ritter at 17, and we have Corral at 24. So they're 10, 17, 24, and they end up going off the board here at 21, 22, 23. So we're a little ahead of consensus on Ritter and Willis and right there with Corral. Well, that's the thing too. Like, do you, I mean, do you like where they went off the board? Like where Corral and Ritter went off the board at? Because I, honestly, I would have taken Pierce. After Willis goes off the board, I, I'm all in on Pierce now with, him going to Indianapolis. Whoa, you 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 liked that Alec Pierce landing spot? Oh hell yeah, hell yeah, absolutely, yeah, you yeah. Op- opposite of uh, opposite of Michael Pittman, absolutely. I think Paris Campbell. We waited for Paris Campbell long enough. I'm done with Paris Campbell. Get him All out right. the door. Sell me, dude. I mean, think about it. Like you're talking about the exceptional athleticism, which I know everyone's gonna be like, oh, that's stupid or whatever. But like. Excelling at being the number one target at a, at a school, right? If we're excited about David Bell, but he's unathletic and unappealing, you have to be excited about the athletic kid that comes from a smaller school too. And Cincinnati, I mean, played against Alabama too. And while he wasn't the best during that, I mean, he didn't fall flat on his face. I don't know. I just something about the Pierce landing to me seems pretty good. I mean, yeah, it's Matt Ryan, so whatever. It's going to be okay for a year or so, and then they're going to figure out what their quarterback situation is later. But 
I don't know, opposite of Michael Pittman, I'm not too concerned about it. Um, they're going to run the ball, obviously, a lot with Jonathan Taylor, but I'm not I'm not overly bearish on it, overly negative on it. I, I like it better than other landing spots for the receivers that go off the board later here. I mean, Alec Pierce over Tyquan Thornton, Alec Pierce over Wandale Robinson, right? Alec Pierce over John Mech. Oh, shit, Jalen Tolbert went out the 3-1. Give me Jalen Tolbert and give me John Mechie, and then you can have Pierce. Yeah, no, they fucked up there. You're right. Jalen Tolbert should have – I didn't see Jalen Tolbert when the screen was over that way. Yeah, I would have taken Jalen Tolbert over Al Pierce. My bad. Yeah. No, yeah, no, but that's like that's the area Pierce should be going, but I think I take Tolbert. Um, I think I take those three running backs, Haskins, Algiers, Amir, and then I think I take Mechie, and then I'm like, all right, I feel good about Pierce because after that – after Tolbert, Haskins, Algier, White, and Mechie, I feel better about from a target perspective. I think you cut Ingram out of there. Then I think you plug Pierce in right there to 3 4, 3 5. And I feel, I feel, then I'll click the button for me. That Then I'll click the button. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you there. I, yeah, I was going to say, I, I was going to say, is Pierce, are we sure Pierce is better than Ashton Doolin and Mike Strong? I think it's. I don't think it's – yeah, you know, I'll say it's safe to say. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it's safe to say that he's, that he's better than both those guys. And at this point, if Paris Campbell can't stay on the field and can't stay healthy, like he's going to move into the number, what, two or number three role on that team. Um, and, again, as a rookie, like if it's all you want is the opportunity that he's going to go ahead and blow out, I don't know. I think you can take worse – you can take worse picks at that spot for sure. It's very interesting because now I'm thinking back to the combine when Ballard said, yeah, we don't know if we can expect number two, number three out of Paris Campbell, and we're going to need more out of this guy. We're going to need more. And now they bring him in. He's going to be plugged number two. He's essentially the the, the the white Julio Jones light. Gets round two draft capital. Fuck, man. I told you. I told you I liked him there. I he'll mean, be, I like him. higher on him. Like Willis, right? So I think the the right well, not the right way, but the way that I would have done it would have been Willis, and then I would have seen either Tolbert or Pierce, then McBride, and then probably Corral to round out yeah. the end of round two, and that's it. And then got it. And then I, yeah, ask, yeah, I think yeah. that three three hundred three three hundred four areas where I where I start looking at where I start looking at Pierce. So we have Pierce exactly right there. We literally have him at the 305. Can can I ask you can I ask you how crazy this thought is? Okay, so I'm looking at the board here. Is am I crazy to think that Danny Gray going to San Francisco is the steal of the fourth round? And my only thought there is that Danny Gray being as fast as he is, being as elusive as he is, being a special teams threat, a multifaceted athlete, could Kyle Shanahan, and I know we hate the coach-centric analysis here, right, and I'm going to get, like, Shanahan to death by Matt later, but could we see him take not a Debo Samuel role because Debo is bigger than Danny Gray is, but could you see him being used in more ways other than just being a fast wide receiver the hands getting more play and more action than we expect to see. Cause that was kind of my thought when I'm looking at this is I'm like, shit, I'd probably take Danny gray 
I probably take Danny Gray. I mean, I'm taking Danny Gray over Valus Jones, taking Gray, Danny Gray over uh, maybe one, maybe Wandell Robinson. I'm taking Danny Gray over Khalil Shakur for sure. Um, I don't know. What do you think? If there's anybody that takes in quotes the Debo Samuel role, I think it's closer and more realistic to expect that from like a Ray Ray McLeod because we've seen him do those gadget things in Pittsburgh. Uh, McLeod's on this roster. This roster's pretty inept at receiver. You lose Debo. I think they're going to end up having to go get somebody. Uh, Ayuk, Juwan Jennings, that big body. Ayuk is kind of like your split end. He can work around the middle of the field. I think it's more than likely that Gray is that stretch, but he can do those things. He can he can take the jet motions, but as far as like lining up on the backfield and, and doing all these extravagant things, no. I don't know. I, I think this is Quez Watkins 2.0. I loved Quez two years ago, and I'm and I'm here again. That's that's where I feel about Danny. I'm gonna own him. I'm gonna own him a fair share. Um, you look at this draft, Shakir, Velas. I take him ahead of Velas. I take him ahead of Taekwon. I think he's. You know, those are both speed guys. 25 year old Velas. Again, uh, Nick Ercolano said this earlier. He's like a week away from going to the retirement home. Taekwon Thornton. This year's. Tutu Atwell, worst pick of the draft as far as the uh, offensive talent goes. Danny Gray in the fourth round, fifth round. I think he went in the fourth round here. It's a couple of these picks I think went in the fourth round because guys just wanted to, oh, I want to take the guy that I like, like Kyle Phillips going around for. You're not going to see that stuff in your rookie drafts that are five rounds or six rounds. Phillips is going to fall. Gray's going to fall. Bellinger is probably going to fall. We didn't talk about tight ends earlier, but Bellinger – we talked about him early in the process. I think he's close to Dalton Schultz, more advanced Dalton Schultz. He goes to New York. I think that's a four tight ends off the board in four rounds here. I think Bellinger's going to be the one guy I'm going to be targeting. So, but to answer your Danny Gray thing that I went, I just veered completely way off of after I mentioned him. Yes. What's the one pick you hated? You hated taking on this board, like your team, right? You're there. You got Chris Olave, Malik Willis, John Mechie, Jerome Ford. Which one did you take that now you're like, I don't know if I would have taken that guy? Looking back on it right now, what's the one that you well, – give me one reach on your team and one guy that you're like, ah, fuck, I should have taken that guy instead. I'm fine. Like, okay, wow. round three, I hope – round three is like, right, like before the draft it would have been Robinson, it would have been Howell, uh, maybe Shakir, maybe Bo Melton in round three. But Mechie, I think I like the value at 3.8. His ADP is in the, in the mid-second. Depends on the draft. That's going to be a guy depending on the draft you're doing. It depends on where he goes. People understand or understand that Houston sucks, but they're going to have uh, uh, targets open for him. Willis, I love the 2.08. Olave, I'm fine with the 1.8. I love Olave, you know. Ford was the one that took me like a minute and a half to click the button just because obviously I love Bo. Obviously I love Bellinger. But I wanted to go running back. And I think there's a possibility that Ford can beat out Kareem Hunt at some point in the next 720 days. And that was kind of my, my goal. So I don't hate any of them that I made, to be honest. Okay. Well, then I'd like you to put your money where your mouth is, Cody. I want you to tell me where where can I place a responsible wager on one of these guys to become the offensive rookie of the year? Oh, shit. You can go to Caesar Sportsbook and you can use the promo code Underworld CZR Caesar Sportsbook slash William Hill. Uh, they work together. Caesar Sportsbook, go over there right now. You can go and get a listen to this. The best deal in sports books right now. 
$1,100 first bet match. Like, not match, but insurance. First bet insurance. $1,100 first bet insurance. You bet you bet $1,100 and you miss, you get your $1,100 back. You bet $1,100 and you win, you win. Go over to Caesar Sportsbook. Use the promo code UNDERWORLD, C-Z-R, all caps, UNDERWORLD, U-N-D-E-R, W-O-R-L-D-C-Z-R. Go do it now. Rookie of the Year Award. We looked at the last 10 years. I'll let you break this down here. And then you, you break down the last 10 years. Break this down for us. Yeah, so so we're looking at the odds here. Again, like Cody said, by Caesar Sportsbook. Um, going there, you can see some of the future odds for Offensive Rookie of the Year. And as I'm looking at it right here, over the last 10 years, you've had two wide receivers receive the award, right? That was Jamar Chase and Odell Beckham. Generational. Had, yeah, generate, yeah, right? Uh, you've had six quarterbacks, and then which include the weird variety of like Sam Bradford and Robert Griffin, and then you got only four running backs. So late, Ed but Lacey. The, the weird. So I'll just Go ahead. pause you right yeah. in the middle of that is the weird variety. But what do the, all these guys have in common? They're all top ten picks. Yeah. Right, right. All top ten picks. Um, Eddie, Eddie Lacy was Eddie Lacy top ten pick. I think he was like round two, pick forty two maybe twelfth pick and tenth pick in the second round. <sighs> anyway, yeah, Eddie Lacy, the Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, and Todd Gurley. So those are the four running backs you're talking about. Again, other than Eddie Lacy, like generational running backs here. Um, Quarterbacks obviously include obviously Cam Newton, Sam Bradford, Robert Griffin, Dak, uh, Kyler, and Justin Herbert. So guys that like we obviously are drafting year over year now, right? We're not taking Sam Bradford, and Robert Griffin now, but like guys that were electric and elite for multiple years, they come out their rookie year and they just light it up. And one of the other things I looked at that was interesting too was that. Other than I'm looking at it here, so most of the QBs on this list played 16 games right off the fucking rip, right? I mean, um, Herbert and Robert Griffin, from my brief research, are the only two that only played 15 games, uh, with Robert Griffin giving one game up to Kirk Cousins and um, Justin Herbert giving the first game up to, Ty- to Tyrod Taylor. So just to set the stage here, that's that's where we're starting. That's the starting point right now. So mostly quarterbacks, some running backs that are generational, and then only two wide receivers that are just absolutely all-worthy talent. So when you break this down, the first thing that I think of is who is the one guy from the receiver position that is potentially generational? Because we see out of 10 years, it's Odell, it's Jamar. That's the archetype. We don't have anybody that fits the archetype in this class. Traylon is interesting because, you know, I had this conversation with Nate and Alex the other night in Vegas, and it was – I said, what if Traylon is what we wanted A.J. Brown to be? And the exact response we got from Nate was, what if Traylon is 70% of A.J. Brown? And I said, yeah, but what if he's not? What if he's healthy A.J. Brown? What if he's better and he's actually healthy A.J. Brown? And he's like, the odds that he's 70% are, are, are more likely than him being him. But what if he's 70% and he gets 130% of the targets? We're talking about a guy that could be a Chase, could be a, a Beckham, type of a of a talent that has gotten a lot a lot of of flack over the last few months drake london do we think he's uh 
as electric and can, can he put up 1400 can he put up 1300 can he make the big splash play like odell i don't think so i don't know like that's not not really where i would go i'm talking i'm looking at the top end guys obviously when i'm talking about that because chase and odell were top end guys quarterback herbert you talked about before herbert prescott griffin newton bradford all top 10 guys except for dak was a fourth round guy but he was put in that dallas offense obviously uh, with all the talent around him at quarterback is there anybody here that interests you uh yeah for me i mean probably not i mean the only guy that again here i think if you're looking at the odds you've got to go quarterback probably more likely than in the other two positions right um yeah and and i would say then that your your best bet is probably kenny pickett because he's got a more direct path to becoming the starter he's been rated by every scout and yourself as being the most pro ready quarterback could Matt Corral shock the world? I mean, maybe. Could Desmond Ritter, like we talked about before, beat on Marcus Mariota? Like, maybe. But, like, again, you're talking they got, they've got they got either beat them out prior to the season starting and then or only let them start one game before coming in and, and running train the rest of the year. I don't think Atlanta's got the offensive firepower to do that. Um, and... For Matt Corral, he does the offensive firepower to do that. He could be the one guy that I think maybe could do it other than Kenny Pickett. But he would really need to Tell be me this. Tell me up. this. Yeah. Tell me this. You got Kenny Pickett as your favorite. I think that's very fair because I think, obviously, like you just said, he's the light, most likely to start 16, 17 games. For me, my sleeper one is Matt Corral. Plus 2,000, you can get him at on Caesar Sportsbook. Pick it, you can get it at plus 600. This is how I'm looking at this. From a what the team did last year to what they will do and could do this year. Pittsburgh made the playoffs narrowly with a with a disheveled Big Ben. They bring in Pickens. They bring in Calvin Austin. They have a second-year Najee. They got Claypool. They got Deontay. They got Frymouth. They got all these weapons. If... Kenny Pickett comes in, takes the job from Trubisky, and wins 10 games. They go 10-7. and seven, Yep. And they make the playoffs as a wild card team. They got a half game better than they did last year. They make the playoffs, and they get bounced week one. I think all that matters is if they make the playoffs, because I think that that's when the rookie rookie votes go in, whatever. So they make, let's say they go 10-7, and seven, they make the playoffs as like the sixth or seventh seed. Now you look at Corral. Corral... This is a hypothetical, obviously. Week four, Darnold gets benched. Week four, Corral comes in. They finished five and twelve last year. Let's say Carolina finishes nine and eight, and they're a half game out of the playoffs. At that point, looking at weapons, looking at what they did, looking at opportunities, looking at the difference they made with their teams. Say Carolina starts out one and three. They bench Darnold. They bring him in, and they go nine and eight, and they just narrowly, narrowly make the miss the playoffs. There's a world where you can see Corral win that thing over Pickett. Yeah, I mean, he'd have to. They'd have to either narrowly miss the playoffs or make the playoffs, right? I mean, I think with with any of these rookies, they either need to a quarterback, right? Would need to come in and light it up, or come in and outperform the draft capital that they got, right? Like you would need to see like. The let's talk about narratives here, right? Like narrative for Desmond Ritter is that 
Marcus Mariota isn't cutting it. He gets put in. He becomes what Ryan Tannehill was. And they take off from there and they, you know, miss the playoffs, but they outperformed what everyone thought they were going to be, right? Um, the narrative for Sam Howell is that Carson Wentz gets hurt, right, at some point. He steps in when he's a fifth-round pick, and he's able to light up the field too, right, throwing the ball over and able to rush too. Um, and those are realistic narratives, in my opinion, because, like, we've seen Carson Wentz get hurt before. He's had – one of the more hilarious things that I do, right, when I track injuries is – like both of his ankles sprained at the same time was just comical to imagine him walking around in like double casts. Right. So, so like stuff like that. Um, but so other than quarterbacks though, let's throw wide receiver out. Cause wide receiver would be very tough. I mean, my, my sleeper, if I'm going to eat the trash, right. is is, is sky more. Okay. Okay. Do you I like, like that. that or no? I like that. I was just going to – I think he's got the best archetype. Okay. The best archetype to do it and in the best offense, obviously, right? Kansas City, if he comes in, Juju's still there. I think a lot of people forget Juju's still there. McCole Hardman, they like McCole Hardman. They talked about it at the Combine. They they talked about the whole process, how much they uh, enjoyed McCole Hardman the latter part of the season, how much he helped that offense. I think that's good value. I think at plus 1,500, I think uh, in, in comparison to Olave's situation, Jamison's situation, like for Jamison to be the seventh highest, to have the seventh highest odds, granted they're plus 1,100, Olave's plus 12, Sky's plus 1,500. Jamison would have to be like 100% healthy by like week one, week two, pick up the playbook, boom, go for 1,000 yards to win to win rookie of the year. He's got to go for over 1,000 yards, recover, like – do you see how, like, honestly half ridiculous that sounds? In Detroit? Yeah. He's got to, like, cure cancer in Detroit to, to, to get there, right? Olave, he's competing with Michael Thomas, Oven Kamara, and he's got Winston throwing the ball. Winston's going to have to go for five racks for Olave to do that. Olave's got to go for 11, 1,200 yards. We don't know if Olave has the ceiling to hit 12, 1,300 yards. He's got the floor to hit 7, 8, but is 7, 8 going to win you Rookie of the Year? Probably not. No. I think you're looking at Burks has the ceiling. Drake's going to get the targets. Wilson at plus 800 I think is bad money. Another one that I see in the chat, Desmond Ritter. I think that's bad money at plus 1600 because Zach, he says all he has to do is beat up Mariota for a dark horse uh, rookie of the year plus 1600 There's a lot of values I like better than him. I like Corral's 2000 I like that better than Ritter because it's not just beating up Mariota. It's beating up Mariota, compensating for a dog water defense, and playing with only big receivers and no true running back. Like, you're going to have Elgier and Patrick. Like, there's a lot of things working against Desmond Ritter to do anything. And we know he can play, but he doesn't have the arm like that Sam Howell does that he can change can change a field. He's got the IQ, but he doesn't have the arm that can change a field. There's a lot of guys on here. Uh, but Sky Moore plus 1,500, I like that. James Cook is an interesting one. Uh, my favorites, Olave plus twelve hundred. I'm gonna dabble on that. Brees Hall, the one we haven't mentioned his name yet. Out of all these guys, it really depends on this offense. Again, plus eight hundred, fourth best odds. Very interesting. I'm gonna know, dabble man. on him, but Michael Carter's there. Uh, there was a couple sports books that put his over under at like six hundred and twenty rushing yards. I think that's madly disrespectful. Because I think he's a thousand yards rushing is still in his range of outcomes if this offense is competent at all. 
And honestly, a thousand yards rushing with the Jets might do it. That's the bad part. The bad part is that with this class, a thousand yards on the ground might do it for Brees for Brees Hall. I don't know, man. I I'm not a I'm not a Zach Wilson guy. Like we knock we knock Tyler Algier for being old and playing at BYU, and Zach Wilson just gets the pass because he's a quarterback for the Jets right now. With he like, never got a when did who did he get a pass from? Like talent around him, everyone's giving him a pass. Everyone talks about buy Zach Wilson, buy Zach like. Wait, dude, look at the look at the look at the fucking talent around him. Yeah, but you're again, you're betting on a guy that that was good for one year in college, right? And an independent yeah. school beating up shitty competition around him. He's he's more than likely probably not very good. And so you you're burning. So, I, but like my point is like you need him to be overly efficient. And way better than he was last year, right? Obviously, the knee injury doesn't help with his production last year. You need to be wildly more efficient, wildly better at passing the ball, and you need Brees Hall to then capitalize on that by scoring touchdowns while keeping Michael Carter out of the way. Oh, and they've got to have their defense be better because if the defense is shit, Michael Carter's getting all well, probably a lot of that passing work. It's going to eat into Brees Hall's passing game too. I, I don't know. I think the only safe bet here would pro- is probably Kenny Pickett. But if he doesn't beat out Mitch Trubisky or doesn't start in at least 15 games, you're fucked there too. I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I, I think what we're talking ourselves into is just a guy that's going to get an opportunity that's Burks in London, and it doesn't even make a lot of sense based on what we've seen in, in years prior with the running back and quarterback position. The Zach Wilson thing, I understand where you're coming from, from him being dog water, but... As far as the talent around him, when you look at last year's statistics from what he did, 55% passing, dog shit, obviously nine touchdowns, 11 picks. But he's in his second year in an offense that now has Zach Wilson, Tyler Conklin, C.J. Uzama, Jeremy Rucker, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall. Last year, this this guy was throwing passes and handing the ball to Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, uh, leading, leading receivers outside of Elijah Moore, who was late in the year. Corey Davis died halfway through. Keelan freaking Cole, Jamison Crowder, Braxton Berrios, uh, Tyler Croft, Ryan Griffin. Like the overall, and it's not always about, and this is the this is the uh, the Trent Dilfer thing, right? You just add the requisite talent around a guy, he's going to do okay, as long as he's not completely inept. And this guy got an entire year in an offense that, that beat the shit out of him, throwing to bad players. If any, like, that's my argument. My argument is the vast amount of talent around this guy that even Josh Allen took that next step, and that situation is entirely different because he was working with Jordan Palmer. We know he he moved on. I don't like Zach Wilson, but I am buying him vis-a-vis opportunity and talent surrounding him. Like, I'm going to take the chance. If I can get him at, at a decent price, I'm going to do it. Okay. But again, what we're talking about here is I'm not going to bet on Garrett Wilson and I'm going to dabble on Brees Hall because why you would bet on Brees Hall is why do you think they got two running backs behind him? They don't love what Zach Wilson's arm can do. So they're going to say, all right, we're going to put the best running back in this draft class behind him. This guy's going to bring seven, eight guys in the box. Carter can catch out of the backfield, bring everybody in, and hopefully, hopefully that buys Zach Wilson enough time to complete a pass. They're trying to – what it is is they're just trying to pre- – Surround him with diamonds and hope that he can somehow do something with it. It's not saying that I love him sure. or anything by that means. It's just, just like they're trying to do as much as they possibly can. That's why you're going to see if he struggles, 
They'll quickly move on from him next year. You know, you're right. You're right. They'll move on from next year. They'll pick. They'll probably be bad. They'll probably be able to pick a good or decent quarterback next year's draft. Or they'll pick up one of these guys that's been floating around for a while. They'll sign him to a two-year deal, and we'll get another – they'll draft a quarterback again. So I'm reading – I'm looking at the chat right now. Someone just dropped in the chat. But why did Mike White and Josh Johnson look so much better? Why do you think they look better, Sean? Why do you think they look better? People forget. It's because they fucking – they practice practice for Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's (laughs) a rookie. Josh Johnson and Mike White been in the league for a couple years, and when a defense is like, hey, this week we got this rookie that isn't confident in himself, has no talent around him, it's it's the same thing you see every time Case Keenum comes in. Case Keenum comes in for the Vikings and dominated right away. You see all these backups that have reps in any form of professional football come in and be adequate is because it catches defenses off guard. Defenses key in on certain things. That's the whole point of the whole week. When you listen to Belichick, Belichick game plans for each team differently. Zach Wilson's probably an easy puzzle to figure out. They figure him out every week they come in, and then they drop Josh Johnson in, and Josh Johnson completes a touchdown. It's not like Josh Johnson was a world beater. Like Mike White had, what, one week? They both had. They both They both were DFS gods. They were both gods for... for, for- one two weeks, one week, two weeks. I think they each had. I think they each had one week. I think, or we. That's one what of I'm them saying. Had two weeks, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I I understand the argument of surrounding him with talent. Um, man, I just, I hate. It's tough. It's tough sell, and I'm not even being pro white, pro Wilson right now. I'm just trying to be open minded about the amount of fucking talent they they gave him. Yeah, like, it's it's hard. If he doesn't hit though. Fuck. It's tough to swallow. It's really tough to swallow. I'll tell you that. Here's the other thing too that I here's the other thing I was curious about too. So I'm looking at the other odds as well. Is there a chance now this guy we haven't talked about him yet, but he's not he's not a OBJ or um Jamar Chase like talent, but like Jamar Chase he could, I guess, I guess he could be the one B in their offense. And if we've compared this guy to a really good older wide receiver that we're talking about, and he's a long shot, don't get me wrong here. The odds have him at plus 5,000 to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Could we see Jalen Tolbert in Dallas? If he goes 1,000 yards his first year with Michael Gallup on the mend, and Amari Cooper gone? Do we see him as a possibility? Am I crazy? Darnell Mooney started nine games in 2020 as a rookie, fifth round rookie. Right? Mm-hmm. I've said multiple times in this program that Jalen Tolbert is this year's Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney was catching passes from Andy Dalton. Darnell Mooney, 61 receptions, 630 yards on 98 targets, and four touchdowns. If Jalen Tolbert does that plus a little bit, Gallup is hurt. It's Lamb, it's Tolbert, it's Schultz, and it's Zeke. If they give 120 targets to Jalen Tolbert, he will go over 800 yards. And if he goes for five touchdowns, Jalen Tolbert will be in the top three conversation for Rookie of the Year.
you take that to the bank. I, I don't hate it. I have the guys in that range. Yeah, yeah, he'd be the one I'd pick. That's the show. What did you say? So why did you say he was this year's Darnell Mooney if he's if he could be so situation based? Situation based. Oh, okay. Out, output based. Small school. Uh, what he can do. What he how how professional ready he is. I'm not saying that's his comp. I'm saying like that's his his range of outcomes is being this year's Darnell. Gotcha, Mid round pick. Mid round pick that can boom from a small school. 